As CEO and co-founder of AM Opportunities, Kyle Swinsky helps international medical graduates gain U.S. rotations. The company leverages a variety of innovative technologies and touts itself as part of the solution to physician shortages. Hi, everyone. I'm David Williams, president of strategy consulting firm Health Business Group and host of the Health Biz Podcast, a weekly show where I interview top healthcare leaders about their lives and careers. Please leave a comment, subscribe, or leave a rating. Kyle, welcome to the Health Biz Podcast. No, thank you for having me. Now, I want to hear a bit about your uh, your background, your upbringing. You know, what was your childhood like, and any any childhood influences that have stuck with you? Well, I mean, as a in my childhood, I traveled a lot, so I, I like to say that um, I was lucky enough to visit a lot of countries when I was younger, and really saw the value of internationalization, and that really led to more work that I did through my college career, my undergraduate career that led to the founding of the company about 10 years ago. So definitely thankful for international travel um, and really learning a lot about different cultures. And was that sort of on your own or were your parents taking, taking you around either for work or just for vacation or whatever? I would say both. So my father was an international consultant. So lived in Europe for a while, went to some other continents and, uh, and he was in Asia for a while as well. So I think it was very, very fortunate that I had, had those experiences in, you know, in my, my single digit years. But then uh, as a, a college student, I, I got brought back into international education where uh, I found an organization that was about becoming a doctor. And one of the focuses was international exchange. And through developing that programming, learning a lot from others abroad, it really led to the, the company at the, at the initial phases where international students they deserve access to education. They should be able to mobilize. Um, and having students together from different cultures really makes it better for all. That sounds good. I agree with you about kind of the early exposure to, uh, you know, the world, essentially. It's a, it's a global village, and yet uh, people uh, often haven't had that opportunity to go and see it firsthand. You learn a lot more when you do. And I can see how, you know, this sort of progression from childhood you know, through what you were doing uh, when you were in school, you know, has 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 made sense in leading to AM opportunities. Um, but I saw also on your LinkedIn, at least, that it looks like at one point you were a, a percussionist. Do you ever think about being is that is that like a, a glorified drummer, or is that like the Glockenspiel, or what's what's percussionist beyond uh, drummer? I mean, I'll I'll, I'll drum on anything. I, I still have tendencies to um, definitely want to get back into the music career, but maybe that's the next life. <laughs> Yeah, that sounds good. I do. My producer tells me not to bang on the microphone or anything like that. So we'll we'll just uh, you know keep kids like sit on my hands or something to prevent that. But uh, that's always that's always good. I I always like that uh, to have some music in the family, especially if it's something you know something noisy. Oh, let people know. No, no it, people know it's uh, what. definitely a more. It was more of a jazz drummer and percussionist. But again, I now yeah, I got now you got me sensitive to my hands. So yeah, yeah, yeah. It's okay. So. Um, you know, I noticed a couple of these kind of medical student associations. So I saw you were running the American Medical Student Association and then the International Federation of Medical Students Associations. Is that like an association of associations? What's, what is that all about? Untangle that for yeah. us a little bit. I mean, I can tell you AMSA uh, is the national group of medical students in the United States. IFMSA is sort of like the UN of all of the AMSAs around the world. So there's an AMSA in, in every country. Um, and IFMSA has roughly 110 countries represented by their national 
Medical Student Association. And that's really where I got a lot of my roots, really learning about the importance of international healthcare, the importance of international doctors to the US healthcare system. Uh, definitely a lot through those organizations. So as you mentioned, you know, it's been about a decade since you founded AM Opportunities. So coming out of the work, presumably with those uh, associations and, and federations, what did you see as a need uh, to be served with a company you know, that wasn't already being done by the associations themselves? Access to education that's equitable. Uh, at the time, you know, 22% of U.S. healthcare workforce is trained abroad. And the marathon that an international student has to go through to get into our workforce, it's, it's very nuanced and difficult. And what, what I learned and what we've seen in the last 10 years is that getting access to those initial clinical education blocks that we call rotations, it's, it's months working with the doctor, learning what life is like, say, in internal medicine or cardiology. They need that as a stepping stone to get into the system. And without those blocks, it, it's really difficult. So the, 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 the formulation of the business was let's democratize this education so that students can have access. And I, I love to say that access to education is still what we're solving. And while I would say a real good portion of our business is growing internationally, it's now become access just down the road or in different states in the United States where you see nurses have issues with their rotations because their school wants them to go to a different state or physician assistants, physician associates, or uh, you know, doctors in the United States as well. And it's uh, at the end of the day, it's access to education that enables trainees and students to go and do what they're best at, become doctors, become PAs, become nurses in practice. So I think I understand at the, at the broad level, but uh, help me understand it at, at the level of, say, an individual uh, student uh, who is, you know, they're going to school outside the U.S., they want to work here. Like, what, what is this path that somebody takes and, and how do you help to smooth it specifically? That's a great question. The, the path to becoming a healthcare professional starts in the classroom. You, know, you do your pre-medical years, your pre-clinical. It's a lot of learning in the classroom with the textbooks, but typically after two or three years of that, depending on which country you're from, uh, then you go on these clinical rotations and that's more the clinical education component of your career. So you have this with medical schools, you have this in PA schools, nursing schools, going out and learning what it's like to become that professional. And typically you need a year to three of those to progress into the next phase, which for doctors, it's residency. Uh, you, have, you apply for a residency through the match, uh, for PAs, for nurses. Once you get your clinical hours, a lot of times that factors into your licensure. So state by state, you have to have a number of hours to get licensed depending on the profession. But all of this comes down to those clinical blocks. And I tell you, I tell you, it's so sad when you hear students say, I couldn't graduate this year because my school couldn't provide this rotation. So we have students that want to get into the workforce when we need them the most, and they're being held back by this access to education piece. Got it. So, you know, there's obviously a lot of discussion about physician shortages in the U.S., also nursing shortages, any kind of healthcare professional. And I'm wondering just broadly, is this a U.S. specific issue or, you know, what does it look like from on an international basis? It's a global issue. I tell you, uh, 
the United States is one of many countries that you see mobilization of healthcare workforce. You see uh, students that train in one country, especially in the European Union, you see a lot of mobilization across countries and it comes down to access to their system and being able to acculturate and get into the workforce as soon as possible. So I, you see, especially countries like the United Kingdom, uh, Australia, Canada, Germany, uh, countries that have shortages and are heavily dependent and relying on internationally trained healthcare workforce. You have this concept, you talk about, about clinical training exchanges, and I'm wondering you know, what those are and, and how those uh, help address this physician shortage. So really the exchanges themselves are giving students the education they need as the, road, the roadblock. So uh, a typical student that we see, um, they'll finish their classroom learning, but they need to complete certain blocks to graduate, whether it's one internal medicine rotation or 12 months of all specialties to finalize that, that third or fourth year. But they, they come in many different shapes and sizes. You know, some students need a virtual psychiatry rotation because they can they can do it remote and their school allows for that. Some students need three months because they need to factor in their electives, which is, you know, hey, I'm interested in anesthesiology or radiology. Those are a little more subspecialized. So students choose those to learn more about it the first time. And they ultimately, sometimes it's, it's a deciding factor in what they practice in. So they use those as, a, you know, not just for classroom, you know, augmenting their learning, but, you know, to get through into the next phase of their career. Got it. And, you know, if the company started 10 years ago, say around 2013, then you were up and running for a few years before the pandemic, then you went through the pandemic. And now hopefully we've emerged on the other side, at least of this, uh, this pandemic. What was the experience like for your business specifically uh, during the pandemic and, you know, all the other things going on with uh, sort of, you know, physician education during that time? I would say there were three big trends that we saw. Obviously the first was the exhaustion of our healthcare workforce. So obviously resources in healthcare being pulled into the response efforts, a lot of clinical educators didn't have the time to teach. So you actually saw a crunch of clinical education where it was brought down and a lot of schools and students had to rely on our services because schools were losing clinical education. So the first trend was uh, you know, the, the healthcare workforce was stunted. They were very busy and it was more difficult to teach. The second thing with that being a factor was the shortage itself. I think we all saw a shortage coming into the pandemic, but it exacerbated it. You not only have burnout as uh, doctors and healthcare professionals, you know, it, it was tougher. But you also put a spotlight on how short we were on healthcare workers because the response, of course, necessitated more nurses, more doctors, more PAs. Um, and lastly, what we also saw was international mobility. So obviously, with the shutdown of travel globally, it was a third factor that stunted the training of healthcare workers that if you couldn't travel from one country to the other, well, then you may have to wait another year or two to accelerate into the next phase of your career. And I think with all of those combined, AMO was a, a, a real force in terms of helping where first we launched virtual education. I would say a real, a, a real big deal in 2020 was, is we offered our clinical education remotely. So you still would get to work with patients, 
you still would work with a physician or a preceptor that would do the learning, but you would do it remotely. So the travel piece was a little easier. Also, our services facilitate the education. So when we work with a healthcare facility, a hospital, a clinic, we're providing them our services to actually augment what they have. So if you were a physician teaching, working with us actually makes it easier. So if you're saying, look, I'd love to teach because everyone wants to, it's altruistic. We want to give back into the workforce, but patients have to come first. So assisting with making things easier administratively, AMO was really a, a factor. And then just to the shortage as a whole, uh, every year we saw an increase in the number of trainees. So we believe that ultimately all of our trainees are entering the workforce that you know, access education remains the bottleneck in our mind. You know, a lot of people uh, did similar sort of things that you just described, like telemedicine, virtual simulations. I'm, I'm not saying it was easy, but that was a kind of a classic response uh, with, during the pandemic. And now those are still in use, although there's more in-person opportunities too. And we're seeing AI come in, uh, getting a lot of discussion in healthcare and elsewhere, but in particularly in healthcare as a, as a help for the workforce. Does AI play a direct role in what you do? I would say it's always something of mind. Not, I wouldn't say it's a, it's a it fully integrated with what we do, but I think that what you're saying in terms of where it's taking the industry, there's definitely places to grow with it. Um, as a company, we more deal with it in terms of making ourselves more efficient. I think in terms of helping students, there are ways to play, especially in the education with you know the classroom education, the content. And we all I mean personalized education obviously is the way to go where you know every student learns differently. And if we can use AI to make education outcomes better, this definitely has a place. But for AMO, where we sit in terms of in-person or virtual clinical education, it, I would say it's more on, on in a parallel, I would say. Got it. Now, I'm wondering about, you know, U.S. healthcare organizations are trying to figure out what to do uh, for these workforce shortages and, and challenges. And there's no one silver bullet, but it sounds like, you know, it's clinical rotations for international medical graduates is one of the things that they can do. Are there things that U.S. healthcare organizations should be doing specifically to, to facilitate those clinical rotations? Yes. And when we talk to a clinical system, a healthcare system or a clinic, individual doctor, this is creating pipelines to talent. So when you work with AMO, when we, we help your system attract talent, many times rural healthcare sites that they don't have that local medical PA or nursing school to bring them talent. AMO has this network of hundreds to thousands of schools that we work with. So for a clinical site, the value proposition is not only us helping with the education, but it's attracting talent into your workforce. And I, to your question, I think it's healthcare systems should not be only thinking in terms of, you know, staffing agencies and, you know, really the, the traditional way to hire a healthcare worker. They need to invest in training their upcoming workforce because it may take a few years to build it. But if you are training, you know, training your own, you're more likely to have those trainees want to remain there and work there. And the statistics show, you know, different sources say one third to nearly half of all trainees remain working where they train. So a healthcare system should really be investing in their education, not as a singular, we educate, they leave, but let's educate and attract. Let's educate and retain. Makes good sense. 
And so are these health systems your main customers or what's the business model for AMO? I would say they are one of our top clients, but our customers are schools, universities, individual students, and then healthcare systems that involve clinics, physicians, all the way up to health systems. Got it. Kyle, just uh, changing the topic here for a minute and uh, really for the last question is I wonder whether you've read any good books lately, if you have anything that you would recommend to our viewers and listeners. Yeah, I mean, I I believe that you can learn so much with the experience, but then you can always rely on others and, and figure it more out from them. A few recent good books, I, I, I read uh, Peter Thiel's uh, you know, From Zero to One. That was pretty inspirational for me uh, You know, in, in terms of figuring out some some business skills. Uh, another was, uh, uh, you know, from good to great, you know, I would call it more of a case study that went through a bunch of Forbes 500 companies and talked about the difference between a good company and a great company. And, you know, this, all these books, they do the same thing for me, where it's, you know, giving you a, a, a toolkit to, to really say, you know, what's going on at a macro level. So like the you know, zero to one was a playbook of things that Peter Thiel learned with his portfolio of companies about building a business. And, you know, some things were helpful, some were not. Um, and then, you know, from going from a good to great, that was looking at companies, say, like Chrysler or Ford and, you know, how certain companies were good, what made them great companies. And obviously, I'm a very firm believer in people. Uh, and I think through a lot of those uh, uh, those books, you really realize how you know, mobilizing your people and and such is really mission critical. Great. Those are some good ones. I've read both of, uh, both of those. They're, they're pretty, um, pretty exciting and, and common. And I think maybe it says something that the CEOs and founders uh, tend to lean on those, on those books. Well, Kyle Swinsky, CEO and co-founder of AM Opportunities or AMO. Thanks so much for joining me today on the Health Biz Podcast. Thank you, Dave. I appreciate it. You've been listening to the Health Biz Podcast with me, David Williams, president of Health Business Group. I conduct in-depth interviews with leaders in healthcare business and policy. If you like what you hear, go ahead and subscribe on your favorite service. While you're at it, go ahead and subscribe on your second and third favorite services as well. There's more good stuff to come, and you won't want to miss an episode. If your organization is seeking strategy consulting services in healthcare, check out our website, healthbusinessgroup.com.